Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. And we are back. It is that time of the year. It is NFL season. Just one more week of preseason before we kick off the NFL season. And you are listening to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. I am your host, Jeff Carrier. By my side is Seth Lull, of course, and we are back to talk some fantasy. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the players that maybe you can target after your draft. Um, we got one more weekend of drafts left, uh, the big weekend. A lot of injuries that we're going to talk about here in a second, which is probably why you should wait till after preseason week three. But after you're done your draft, you kind of look at it, look at your roster construction. You might have a couple holes we're going to talk about that. Who are some people that you can target to kind of fill in those holes that doesn't require you to move some of your massive pieces um, that you acquired during the draft? And we're also going to talk about some of the players that we're high on and a little worried about and some of the players that we're low on that we're also confident and, and a little bit worried about. But Seth, let's kick this off. Um, we have injuries this weekend, three main ones, and there is no bigger one, no bigger one, Seth, in the last several years that I can remember than my boy Cameron Meredith. That definitely just shook up the fantasy world when Cameron Meredith went down. I mean, it just, yeah, that is a historic fantasy injury. I, I've never seen anything like that. Um, I, I don't know how the fantasy world is going to recover from that one. I don't know how I'm going to recover. I mean, for everyone that's been listening to this show all off season since February, March, you've been you've been listening to me just absolutely nonstop talk about Cameron Meredith. This is kind of like one of those injuries where if your dog ran out in the middle of the road and you got hit by a car and you just you just sob just uncontrollably. Seth, this is what happened when I got Adam Schefter's tweet right in the middle of the day. It just it, like it just shook it just shook me. Like the news just came at came at me. I didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> well, for all, for everyone out there that has stopped listening because you continue to talk about the Chicago Bears offense and Cameron Meredith, for all of you out there, it's okay to come back. You can listen again. There's no more Cameron Meredith. And, and by the way, I think Cameron Meredith was was doing you a favor. I and mean, that's the nicest thing that he could have done because he saved you the embarrassment of him putting to putting together a terrible season and making you look ridiculous. So you should thank Cameron Meredith. You know, I, I'm not going to go that far because I, obviously I had the highest confidence in the world in Cameron Meredith. And it started really early, and I at that point, you know, I couldn't I couldn't jump off. The, I couldn't jump off. I had to stay on the bandwagon with Cameron Meredith. And, you know, his stock never really rose that high. It seemed like I was the only person that was ever hyping him up, um, maybe for good reason. But, you know, I'm, and now you got Kevin White. You, gotta, you can switch over to the Kevin no, White bandwagon because uh, it's going to be all Kevin White, I'm baby. Not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And what a, what a better sign of what the potential season Cameron Meredith would have had. Um, then, you know, the first drive in Chicago, I believe it was the first drive, two passes, 44 yards. He goes down on the second catch, of course. He only had two in that game. Just coming out looking like a beast. And, 
Man, man, I'm just I'm I was looking forward, Seth, to these nice magical Sundays, and you know, just let, let, let's cue the the sad music here. Karen Meredith, I'm gonna miss you, bud. I'm going to miss you. We were gonna have some magical Sundays together. I was gonna be eating my popcorn, watching you blaze people over the top, scoring touchdowns in the back of the end zone because Mike Lennon threw three pick sixes in the first quarter, putting garbage time from the fourth quarter all the way into the back end of the first quarter. So you had a solid three and a half quarters of garbage time week in and week out that I could just sit back and relax and watch. Karen Meredith, I'm going to miss you. That's how it feels, Seth. That was that was a tearjerker. That was. <laughs> you know the the real loser the real loser in all this not just with the Cam Meredith injury but even just before is Mike Glennon the poor guy has Mitch Trubisky breathing down his neck might take over as a starter probably early, sooner rather than later based on the performances each of them put forth in the preseason and look who he's throwing the ball to now you have Victor Cruz Kendall Wright Kevin White who can't stay healthy entering his third year in the NFL and let's not forget they they also have Marcus Wheaton. Um, who's been injured. Um, they have Ruben Randall on their roster who's on the IR. Uh, I mean, what? talk about being set up to fail. I mean, if I'm Mike Glennon, just, I don't know what's going through my head right now. And this Cameron Marath was probably the last last good thing he had going for him in his life. It most certainly was. And this is why GMs need to be held more accountable. Like, I was okay when David Gettleman got fired from Carolina. Like, what has he done that's been so special? I hand out three big contracts to running backs? I mean... And I feel the same way when I was looking at the wide receiver core, this mediocre, completely, you know, leftover crew, motley crew of wide receivers that have not been able to compete in what seems like years that you just listed. I mean, how awful does that sound? Ryan Pace needs to be held accountable for having such an inadequate amount of receiving core. It's really bad. I, I th- And I think we can look at the NFL right now and look at all the teams and say Chicago, it's between Chicago and New York for the worst for the first overall pick next season. It's got to be. It's between Chicago and New York. What does Chicago have? They don't have a defense, really. I mean, they, they don't have it. They don't have a great defense. They have nothing on offense outside of Jordan Howard. Nothing on offense, and they don't have a quarterback yet. So it'll be interesting, but very, you know. The, and as much as we always rag on John Fox, the, the poor guy has been bit with the injury bug the last couple seasons. Um, he, he sure has. Um, so let, let's talk fantasy-wise about you know this impact on Chicago because everyone's going to be looking at this for their drafts this weekend. And oh, yeah, they, they, got, they, got, they got this Chicago team circled. Um, you know, big fantasy implications. Well, you know, we don't want to either, you know, Sar- have, sarcasm right there. Yeah, we don't want people to maybe maybe overreact to this in the wrong direction of actually thinking that there's going to be maybe a bigger impact than there is. But let's walk through, you know, the, probably the three main people that that most people are talking about in terms of how does it affect them outside of quarterback. Let's start first with the most obvious, and that is Kevin White uh, was already projected to be the number two wide receiver there. No one else, as you listed, Seth has any remote chance of was even really taking over Kevin White you really felt like in terms of number two hole and now Kevin White is the primary number one which I think hurts him because at least Cameron Meredith was able to take some of the coverage off of him 
I, I don't I don't have any trust in Kevin Wayne because we haven't seen anything done. I, I'm not going to all of a sudden, you know, elevate Kevin White to this level of, well, you, you know, almost the same level that I had Cameron Meredith, which was he's going to get peppered. But I actually thought Cameron Meredith was a lot more talented than where Kevin White is in his career right now. You know who's taking the coverage off Kevin White? Kevin White. So I, th- th- there's nobody on Chicago. I mean, Kevin White, maybe if you're in deeper league, late round flyer, sure, have a ball. There's nobody on the Chicago Bears in higher offense that's worth owning outside of Jordan Howard. Um, they're just, they're just, and it'll, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, I guess, but there's just really not a whole lot to like there. I mean, Cameron Meredith was kind of the diamond in the rough in Chicago, him and Jordan Howard, no Cameron Meredith. It's going to be tough watching these Chicago bears games, but you know what? We're, we're going to do it because we're going to have, we're going to have our film review segments and we're going to be breaking down some Chicago Bears game film, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're going to probably designate that to me just through way of Cameron Meredith, but you know, I don't have yep. Cameron Meredith to watch, so I'm not going to be as excited. So Jordan Howard, let's move to him. Does he move up, down, stay the same, neutral? Uh, what's his stock do with no, Cameron Meredith it, being out? I don't think it really it really changes at all, for, at least for me. You know, I don't really know what to make it, make of this. I mean, I think Cameron Meredith is definitely a loss if you have Cameron Meredith on your team or if you want to get Cameron Meredith on your team. But Jordan Howard, I don't think it really changed anything. I completely agree. Do not overreact with Jordan Howard. Either you already like him, then continue to like him. Don't move him up your boards. And don't overreact just because a wide receiver, you know, albeit, yes, I like Cameron Meredith, but everyone, like, wants to have their quote-unquote guy that's not, you know, in the first three rounds or whatever. They're under-the-radar guy. That happened to be mine. I'm not going to sit here and start saying now that uh, they lost all these targets in this offensive production. It's going to hurt or help Jordan Howard. He's a wide receiver. He was a third-year player, and it is what it is. Um, yeah. So, all right, let, let, let's, all right. Let's, let's, let's stop talking about Chicago, shall we? I mean... This is okay. this is getting a little insane. A little insane. And I know you in Chicago. You get you get carried away when we start talking about Chicago. So I have to reel you back in. Um, you know there there were other injuries that actually do have real fantasy implications, like our boy Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman he, out for the year. Yes. Yep. So uh, the primary person that's getting the biggest ADP bump right now is Chris Hogan. Where does his targets go over 100 last year, Julian Edelman? What does it do for Brady? What does it do for the receiving core? I mean, this is – it's New England. Who knows? All we know is that Tom Brady is going to throw a lot of touchdowns. He's going to have a monster year. This offense, it, until until it misses a beat, it's like they keep losing pieces every single year, and they never miss a beat. So until it really affects their offense, I'm just going to assume – that they're going to keep chugging along. So we know that their targets are going to go someplace. We know that somebody is going to fill that hole. I personally think somebody like a James White is going to be more valuable with the loss of Julian Edelman. They're going to need that guy to use in the slot. They're going to need that guy to get the short passes through to, to move the chains. Um, and we know, I, I can see Brady Brady going to James White early and often. Now it's hard not to get excited about Chris Hogan's performance with the two touchdowns. He's, he was that big play guy last year um, in his first year in New England. He had a lot of success in his first year when most receivers, when they come over um, you know, to New England in their first year, they really don't. So I think Chris Hogan is intriguing. Brandon Cooks is another guy. You know, He's going in the, you know, the second, third round or was going in the second to third round. 
And I think he's someone that you have to take a closer look at, right? He's going towards the end of the second round now. He's got a ton of upside, but I think it's going to be between Cooks, Hogan, and James White. But in terms of their value, I think James White is a solid bargain, and Chris Hogan is a solid bargain too, because he is going to be what the number, probably the number two receiver right now in New England. So I think Chris Hogan is definitely a solid buy. Yeah, I remember saying in the offseason that New England could lose Gronk and Edelman, and I just kind of chose those players because they were the most injury-prone. And then they would still have you know, Dwayne Allen, uh, Brandon Cooks, James White, Chris Hogan, which could be better than a lot of people's starting receiving court, even if they lost those two superstars. Um, so... I agree. It's going to be game a game plan dependent. It's going to move from game to game. You're not going to be able to predict it. Chris Hogan still projects as a solid depth player that you're not going to be able to predict. Maybe like an a la Deshaun Jackson. A little um, boomer bust in him. For sure. A little more boomer bust, kind of like Deshaun Jackson, where he's going to catch those over-the-top touchdown passes. And uh, he had a really nice one last game. He had one crossing over the middle, a nice catch. You know, they didn't really use him a lot necessarily where he had a lot of crossing patterns in the middle. Of course, they had Edelman there. So I don't know if he's going to, if they're going to really use him in that, in that way. They didn't use him a lot. You know, he was definitely a lot more on the outside and spreading the coverage, pushing the defensive backs downfield with the, uh, the nine routes. But I think that <laughs> love love bringing up the nine rounds like your favorite thing. I had to slide that in there, Seth, because yeah. I haven't I haven't brought it up in a few weeks. So you got to give me you gotta give me a little bit of leeway on that one. I do agree on the James White. It's just going to be spread around everywhere. So again, fantasy wise, I don't know how to react to it. Like I'm just I'm not going to bump up any single person too much. People are going to want to overdraft cooks. So I'm just going to let it happen. Um, yeah. I didn't see anything I, magical happen in, in week three preseason that would lead me to believe that he's going to be good or bad. He was kind of kind of not really involved, but uh, you know, I could see him where there's certain games where he's extremely involved. So I'm not going to overreact in that sense. I, I like how it's boosted. It's going to boost. And we're not seeing too much of a boost to his ADP right now, but you know, you know, people are going to be overdrafting Brandon Cooks now because of the Edelman loss. It's it's so the loss of Edelman is so fresh. I don't think it's fully the APs have fully adjusted right now. I, we're going to see people overdrafting Cooks, and I, and I love that because I'm still I I don't think it really helps Cooks out that much. I still think he he's was going to play a different role than Edelman. Um, you're drafting him purely based on upside. I think the move from New Orleans to New England. Um, I don't think he can go up. I think he's going to have, I think he's going to regress a little bit. We've talked about this several times. So the higher, you know, he's being drafted, the better it is for me because I'm not on him anyways. We talked about Sammy Watkins. Um, I feel kind of similar to to Brandon Cooks. He's got a ton of upside, but I, I don't see how he has too much more upside than what he produced last season. So I think the two players, again, that I look at in New England in the wake of this Edelman injury are Chris Hogan and James White. And James White just being the X factor because I could see them moving him all over the place. He had 12, he's a stat that you'll like, in the preseason game he had 12 snaps en route. So the, he's, he's going to be used early and often in the passing game. And I think the running backs in general are going to be used and relied on heavily all season. As a non-fantasy, you know, fantasy, I guess, Conversation-wise, I think that this does a number to the Patriots when it comes to the playoffs and yes. primarily the the championship game and, and possible Super Bowl if they make it that far. But you know, definitely when they get into the playoffs, because Edelman, 
you know, if you're not in New England and, you know, is one of the most clutch people that Tom Brady has to rely on and has just a significant amount of these third down plays. And just going to Super Bowls alone, we had the one in Atlanta last year, right? That that crazy catch, jumping, diving to the ground, uh, keeping that game alive. And then arguably as important or bigger was a third down and 17 against Seattle where he ran across the middle got hit by Cam Chancellor and basically had a concussion and kept on running. Yeah. These these are championship plays. Um, when you watch a little bit of the, the tape, you know, some of those promos that they do of him talking on the sideline to Brady and the other people when they're still down, talking about how they're going to win, that kind of intangible is extremely hard to find. Is he as talented as, you know, maybe someone else they've had in the past? Probably. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to draw comparisons to Wes Welker. But those intangibles um, – come through in the moments and so that's going to be a big loss to new england when it comes to championship caliber playoff time yeah i mean he's only he's only played two 16 game seasons his entire career in the nfl so i think we're gonna look back at his season even from a fantasy perspective and say you know what could have been because when healthy he can absolutely ball. He is a PPR monster. And it seems like no matter how many weapons they put, they, they, they add, right? No matter how many people they bring in, he still gets his. And we saw that early in the preseason game. And I was like, wow, he's, he's in midseason form. I was like, I'm going to add him. I'm going to you know draft him, have him on some of my teams. Because I love watching Julian Edelman as a Patriots fan. You know, he had 98 catches last season. He's just, he's a great, he's a great PPR fantasy player. And it's a shame that, you know, these injuries happen in the preseason. You know, I don't know what the answer is, what the NFL can really do. You know, you could you could lower it to the amount of preseason games, but and the players could still get injured. So I don't think, you know, I don't know what they do, but it's a bummer when some of these big names go down before the fantasy season. Yep, and I was listening to Sirius NFL today, and they were going over some of the numbers on injuries. On just ACLs or just knee injuries alone, there have been 30 lost so far to for the entire season and there are 14 i believe more that are up in the air they don't know if they're going to be gone for the season they might be coming back they might be star on the pup 30 though already gone on ir for the season just on knee injuries yep all right let's, let's let's move past the patriots talk though we know we got enough people that don't want to Here's talk only about New England here, but the the other really big one, the biggest fantasy impact, because as we just talked about with the last two players, Seth, we don't see a lot of you know area that you can give an, a boost to in terms of the players around him on the person that went down for an injury. Whereas Spencer Ware, there's an immediate benefit to Kareem Hunt. I just did a best ball draft this weekend. Kareem Hunt went 2.12, end of the second round, right? So... Same thing that you're going to see maybe with the Brandon Cooks thing that you mentioned. People may be overreacting. What happens to Kareem Hunt, and now where does his draft spot become a lot more realistic? Wow. I, I think, well, he's going towards the end of the fourth round right now. I think you're looking at him in the fourth, fifth round, somewhere in there. I don't it think depends those are on, updated, though, because I think you're going to have to get him in the, the late, third, late, late third. Late second, third. Maybe no way. Late second. Yeah. I mean, I, either way. I, I do the one thing that he has going for him is who's behind him. He's got Sharkandrick West and CJ Spiller are really his only competition. So he's got nothing behind him. Um and a Shark West might be a you know decent late round flyer if you own 
Kareem Hunt, right? He becomes the handcuff to Kareem yep. Hunt. And we, we've seen Sharkhandrick West have some big games. You know, week 17 last season, he had five catches, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Um, it, it's great to own KC running backs. We've seen this with Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware had some productive games, Sharkhandrick West in recent years. So I think Kareem, Kareem Hunt enters a great situation uh, for fantasy, right, for fantasy production. And he has the keys to the car. He is going to be the guy. So in Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You know, Alex Smith has talked about how he's been picking up the pass protection. Um, and that's always good for a rookie when you, when you hear that, because that's usually one of the things that keeps them off the field, is their ability to block and, um, you know, pass protect in the passing game. So the fact that he can do that or he's at least, you know, showing signs of being able to pick it up early is a good sign. He's a versatile running back. Great situation. So, man, great for dynasty leagues if you own him. For redraft leagues, though, second round is very, very pricey. Like, it would be very hard for me to take him over somebody like a Doug Baldwin. But third round and beyond, I mean... So let me throw out some you know. names. Let me throw out some names. And this is this is very interesting, Seth, in terms of looking at these ADPs. There's a lot of people that have moved around a lot. L- let me start off with the, the first person I gravitate towards in terms of who would you rather. Um, at 3.09, he's fallen down a little bit, seems like. Unless Lamar Miller. Would you rather have Kareem Hunt or Lamar Miller? Oh, man. Um, I, I think I'm going – I think I'm going to go Lamar Miller. But – but it's very close, very close. Obviously, Lamar Miller. To be honest, I, I it's very close for me too. Like I, if I'm, if I'm, Cream Hunt little, has the upside. Cream Hunt yeah. has the upside, which is the only reason I. I it, that's a great example of if I'm on the spot and I'm on the clock and I'm looking at those two, I could say Lamar Miller right now all I want. But if I'm on the spot in the draft, the heat of the moment, the heat of the moment, you know, the the adrenaline. Is um is going? I, I might I might pull the trigger on Kareem Hunt. I don't know. It would depend on how my mood is and how you know how I'm feeling. And who but your it's first so two picks were? You know, like if you were like really yep. confident about your first two picks, which you hopefully should. You know, being first and second round, I definitely could see myself taking Kareem Hunt. So I think that's kind of like the sweet spot right there, right around right around that pick. You know. Yep, for sure. Okay. Um. Do anything to Tyree Kill? Any 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 other impact with Spencer Weir going out besides you know boosting up uh, Sharkandrick West to handcuff category? I think Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey. I think all three of their stocks get a, a bump in the right direction. 
you know, there's no Macklin this year, which I think helps all of them. There's no Jamal Charles, which helps all of them, and now no Spencer Ware. So there's just there's a lack of depth in the running game. So I think Kareem Hunt is going to be asked to do a lot. He's going to be given all the opportunities, and it just comes down to can he make the most of them. We've seen running backs like Monty Ball be given in the past, you know, get all these opportunities, and they just can't do anything with them, which is a bad sign. So it, it, this is the job is Kareem Hunt's to lose this, um, you know, so I, I think he is in a great position. Tyreek Hill, I, when he's going to be there, do everything, you know, guy. They're going to try and get him the ball. Um, as many different ways as possible. So I think Tyreek Hill, we always think he's going to be a little bit inconsistent. I think he's going to get a ton of of opportunities. Um, I just don't love love the offense for receivers. Never have. Um, and tra- I think Travis Kelsey is going to be is going to be a monster this year. I think he could build on the performance that he or the season that he had last year and the numbers that he put up last year. He's a guy that could have over ninety catches. Um, so I think all three of those players are definitely going to to get a bump. You, you know, we've talked a lot about Tyree Kill, and we haven't been on him all year. And we give a lot of different reasons between a lot of his production coming not for the wide receiver spot. Even though he was extremely productive when he did run routes, you know, if he did increase his the amount of runs he, routes he runs in the year and stays even near that efficiency level, that would be a good sign for him. But can we also remember that only two years ago, Two years ago, the man named Alex Smith somehow went an entire NFL season without throwing a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. Like, can we? Do we all just forget that that happened? That literally happened. That it did. That it did. <laughs> I mean, like, hence, hence why I don't love, I don't love receivers in Kansas City. No, I mean, how can just, you? How can you? I mean. Maybe these late flyers, maybe, but you know, obviously, where Terry Kill's going. So, Seth, let's let's move on to players that to target after your draft. Now, these could be uh, kind of on the bubble, maybe type players, maybe a little bit higher up. But I think the focus here is, you know, we'll kind of maybe give our description of what type of team you might have on when you target them. But they're definitely going to be much more of a hole filler versus you know doing a big blockbuster trade. We can all do big blockbuster big blockbuster trades to fill a hole in our team. But, you know, what's the point of then then drafting those studs if you're just going to move them? So let's talk about a couple players set that might be able to help fill a couple holes on your team depending on what type of roster construction you have. And why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so I, I think a good late round, you know, someone that's not going to go undrafted, you're going to be able to get him, you know, waste a late round flyer on him. As somebody like a Marvin Jones, you know, he's entering his second season with the Detroit Lions, second season with Matthew Stafford, who just got the big contract extension. And this is a player that I was really high on going into last season. And he made me look like a genius the first three weeks. Right, He had that big game against Green Bay, six catches, 205 yards, two touchdowns, put up 40 fantasy points. Um, following up the previous week where he had 20 fantasy points, eight catches, 118 yards. He had zero touchdowns last year after week six. So... You know, we saw flashes, Marvin Jones. He had those years in, in Cincinnati, you know, when he was a, you know, I wouldn't say a touchdown machine, but he was very a very capable touchdown guy for fantasy. And I just think that this Detroit offense needs playmakers, right? Their running game has always been lacking. They lack outside receiver threats. They have Golden Tate, who's solid. He's a nice player. He's a nice receiver. But Marvin Jones, if this offense is going to open up a little bit, if they're going to take more chances, if they're going to become a little bit more aggressive, 
then Marvin Jones is going to be the guy for Detroit. So I'm not saying he's he's going to have a monster season. He already burned me last year. But he had 168 fantasy points last year. I would not be surprised if he's in the 200 range. I think this is a great player. Someone that when I was looking at some of our projections, Seth, I was looking at you know some of the numbers that we had. I said, oh, let me check what he did last year. Not that these are going to blow you away, but 55 catches for 930 yards and four touchdowns. I said, that's that's not that bad. I mean, over 50 catches, almost a thousand yards. Touchdowns obviously fell off, as you mentioned, after week six. But the the key is he's still the number two wide receiver. Now, some of the players that we're talking about here is you want to at least feel confident that when you if you had to start them at least early, early in the year, week one, week two, that they're on the field. So they have the potential to get some volume. Let me give you the stats to another player, and you tell me who this tell me who this is. Fifty six catches, so an ex, one extra catch. 1,005 yards, so 75 extra yards, and four touchdowns. So this person had one extra catch for 75 yards. I don't know. Who? Who is it? Give me the name. Deshaun Jackson. Who has a lot more value, right? Yeah. He's going a lot lot earlier, too. Going a lot earlier. So this is a person that Marvin Jones, that you can get – Extra, much, much cheaper. He's a very similar player to Deshaun Jackson. He's boomer bust, but he's going to be the number two. He's going to get targets. It's going to be probably, you know, hit or miss in terms of the games. But if you don't have that depth at wide receiver, let's say you went early running back, you had David Johnson, and you got your stud tight end started QB, you need some more depth. I think Marvin Jones is a great pick. And, and they got a pretty easy schedule for corner. I mean, they open against Arizona. Now, Golden Tate being the number one receiver might draw a lot of these a lot of the coverage from like the top guys. Patrick Peterson might be on Golden Tate. The Giants. So these are two tough matchups. They have Atlanta, Minnesota. Listen to this stretch for, for Detroit. Carolina, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Cleveland, Chicago. I mean, and then they finish up week 17, Green Bay. Week 16, Cincinnati. Week 15, Chicago. There's going to be a lot of really good weeks, favorable weeks for, for Detroit in the passing game. And if some of these, you know, these top corners like DeJoris Jenkins in New York, Patrick Peterson in Arizona are covering Golden Tate, that's good news for Marvin Jones. Sure is. I think that's a great name. Seth, let me move on to my person. Uh, running back depth is always an issue for a lot of people. You just never really feel confident about it. So we're all probably going to be in this scenario where, you know, we either went zero running back strategy because we wanted to. We just so happened to take the best player available. We have wide receivers on our team. You need someone to to add some depth at running back but every running back costs an arm and a leg they, they are super hard to get so if you kind of already you know ruined a little bit of my mojo on this one talking earlier about new england but james white is a great person to to go out and target you should be able to get him for a very reasonable cost i think he had over 60 uh he had 60 catches last year for over 500 yards and five touchdowns uh we also obviously had the monster game in the super bowl uh, mostly you know game script dependent there but as you've seen early in the preseason just like last year he's involved in the offense he'll line up in the slot he'll line up all the way out you know in, in the wide receiver spot um and and he was getting a lot of carries uh, in between the tackles in preseason. I don't know how you know how much we can rely on that, but the point is he should be a lock for for sixty catches ish, 
And in a PPR league, that presents a good floor for someone that you could get for extremely cheap, maybe a throw-in in a draft, um, or you or you trade someone that's you know a low-end wide receiver or something like that. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, let me give you my next player set, and then you can go uh, to your second player here. We'll go uh, kind of a little snake draft here. Uh, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, Seth, you did this as your player for same player, different round with Jamison Crowder and Cole Beasley in our same player, different round series and episode. And I like it because Cole Beasley showed a lot last year. He was extremely efficient when he was out on the field. And he's another one of those players that you can get extremely cheap, but you know that he's going to be on the field a lot. And especially with Ezekiel Elliott being out the first six weeks, they're might be a bigger chance that they're going to have to rely on the passing game of Dak Prescott. And not only that, Dallas did lose some defensive players out in the back end. So are they going to be able to play the same type of uh, game management script that they've played the last couple of years? Tough to say. You know, Rob Marinelli does a Rob Marinelli does a good job with that defense. However, they did lose a couple people on the back end, and I wonder if the game script's going to flip a little bit more towards pass. That one's tough to predict, but regardless, even if it was like last year and they can stay true to the running game with Darren McFadden, which is a big question mark, Cole Beasley is still someone that you can plug in any given week and have a very good shot at 10-plus points. Yeah, Cole Beasley is the guy who, you know, he's not exciting, he's not flashy, but like you said, no Zeke for six for six weeks. Dak's going to have to throw more. I, I like Cole Beasley. He's the number two option in in, um, in Dallas. Great player to have on your bench. Fits our bench strategy. You know, that, that wily veteran that has a, has a pretty high floor that's not going to burn you any week, not going to put up any zero bombs. So I like Cole Beasley. Um, you know, very, very attainable when you get into those late rounds. And when you're in these late rounds, I, you know, I think a lot of people kind of get bored, you know, me included sometimes. But when you get in these late rounds, you you want to be looking for specific players and you don't want to let your guard down. Someone like a Cole Beasley can provide value. My next player is the one and only Kenny Britt. Um, you know, his his average draft position is is actually pretty solid. He's going in the 10th round, end of the 10th round, so 10th, 11th, somewhere in there. He's coming off a, a pretty solid year on one of the, the worst, statistically one of the worst passing offenses in the NFL last year, the Rams. He had 68 catches, over 1,000 yards, 1,002 yards to be exact, five touchdowns. So he's going to be the number one guy in Cleveland. Um, I don't think their offense is going to be too much better than the Rams' offense was last season, but for the 10th round, I mean, Kenny Britt is a pretty solid option given the amount of targets he's going to get, you know, the amount of work and opportunities he's going to receive in Cleveland. And I'm going to read off numbers for, just like you did with Deshaun Jackson. Here's another player, Jeff. Last season, you know, let's compare the numbers to Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt, 68 catches, 1,002 yards, receiving five touchdowns. Here's player B, 77 catches, so a few more receptions. 1,007 receiving yards, only five more receiving yards, and four touchdowns. One last touchdown. Pierre Garçon. Nope. I don't know. Terrell Pryor. And Terrell Pryor is going in the third round this year. And Terrell Pryor was catching passes from from awful quarterbacks last season, too. So I I look at Terrell Pryor's numbers and I say, you know, given how close they were to Kenny Britt's numbers last season with the Rams, I think that's very attainable for Kenny Britt. He's still only 28 years old. He's a good size, 6'3". 
somebody you can get after the 10th round, 10th, 11th round. I like it. Kenny Britt's kind of like it, the playing the hot potato game. Like as soon as you get Kenny Britt, you don't want it anymore. Like you just don't give it to me. I don't want it anymore. So anyone that actually drafts Kenny Britt, I doubt that they're super like I need to hold on to him. I really want to see what Kenny Britt does. So I think it's a great I think it's a great name because he's also one of those boring people that you could probably snag up in a deal for extremely cheap. Even if they did go ahead and waste a ten or you know use a tenth rounder on Kenny Britt, there's a very good chance that they're not emotionally vested in Kenny Britt because of his name and where he's at. And being yeah, the other thing. Yeah, and the other thing with, with Kenny, I mean, we talked about the Rams being, I think they were second to last in the NFL in terms of pass attempts. He only had 111 targets. So pretty efficient compared to Terrell Pryor, who had 140 targets in Cleveland. You know, so I think we could see Kenny Britt increase his targets from, you know, 111 to 130, 140, somewhere in there. And his, I can see his receptions going up, his receiving yards going up. Um, so just, just a, a player to keep an eye on. I think him and Cole Beasley are... are you know, kind of the same type of receiver in fantasy. You know, those receivers that have a pretty high floor, um, they're reliable, and they're good bench fillers. And if you have to start them, if you're in a pinch, you know, you could do worse than having them as your last flex spot, whether it be, you know, bye week, if there's an injury, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, and, and Kenny Britt didn't even play the last week of the year um, against Arizona. So he had a zero there. He had 189 points total in the year. Cole Beasley had 180. You know, so these these people are almost 200 point player. They're both wide receiver threes over 11 points per week. And Kenny Britt finished the year with nine and two points and then a zero. So he was very productive uh, for most of the year, besides that uh, playoff stretch there. But same player, different round. Kenny Britt, Terrell Pryor. Did we just come up with one on the air? We just came up with one on the spot. What do you think about that one? I think it's it's a definitely definitely a poor poor man's Terrell Pryor, but. You know the numbers are are very very similar last year. Obviously, Trell Pryor is in a better offense, which is why he's being drafted so high. But I just think it's interesting. I do too, and I, I was I found the Sean Jackson one with Cole Beasley um, on the spot. You know, which I didn't even realize. Not the Cole Beasley one, but uh, your player that you mentioned, Marvin so, Jones. Yep. Marvin Jones. Yeah, I found that one right on the spot as well. So. It is very interesting. Sometimes people just overreact to situation, and Terrell Pryor is a perfect example of that. Yeah, he does have a better quarterback, but as you've you know put in the past, he's only one year removed from being a quarterback, for crying out loud. So that's a lot of stock to put into someone, uh, especially where he's going after prove with with the round proven players. That's why we say, hey, you know, you might not want to go only upside with all your picks. Make sure you get some conservative players as well and and go for the points not the name you know kenny Britt, cole beasley th- those names aren't going to excite anybody um but they get points so when you get in these late rounds especially if you drafted a good team up to that point you just want to fill your bench up with players that can go get points sounds simple but you know you see people you know grab like a second defense or they go all upside you want to get players that can go and get points because you don't want to you don't want to let the other players down on your roster. You would be surprised, too, what these people do, what they could do in a trade. I've seen Seth do this too many times, which is why I'm going to be campaigning all weekend, Seth. We've got a lot of big trades. I'm going to be campaigning all weekend. No one do trades with all, Seth. All week, you mean, right? I mean, you got to start. You got to start tomorrow. I probably do, knowing these people. But what happens is, is Seth will have a couple of these people, and they'll be Cole Beasley, and uh, there'll be maybe a Marvin Jones, and they're soaking up 11 points a week. It's, it's not sexy, but it's 11 points a week. And then you have another person in your league that went all gun ho. You know, they went 
I'm trying to think of some super high upside people that just completely fall flat on their face. And so not only do they need like starters, they also need like a gigantic amount of depth. So Seth, so Seth will be just there, just waiting in the whims, just waiting. I'm trying for, to help. I'm just, just I'm oh, trying to help. Sure. I'm, I'm just going to sure lend a helping are. hand. I'll give you Cole Beasley, Marvin Jones, and someone else for Le'Veon Bell. Does that Cole work? Beasley, Cole Beasley, Kenny Britt, and Marvin Jones package all three of them together. How generous am I? Yep, and you'll probably walk out with Michael Crabtree. Be like, hey, but I mean, he needed three wide receivers. You wouldn't even feel bad about it at all. No, I'll, I'll sleep just fine at night. <laughs> this brings me to my last player, Seth. Um, Eric Decker. Talked a good amount about him. He's probably the, the highest-ranked player that we've talked about. I still feel like that he kind of fits the bill of a little bit boring. You know, As soon as someone drafts him, they're not going to be emotionally invested in him. He should be easy to either put into a trade to make it work, or maybe you can go get him on a one-off. You need a little bit more depth at wide receiver. So I, I like him as well. I, I still see him the start of the year he had last year. I know potential injury is a concern, but he, he has been on the field, so that's a good sign. Um, even with the Jets last year, he came out, averaged seven catches a game, had two touchdowns in three games. So I, I still think he's the old Eric Decker. It's just people kind of forget. I'm a little concerned with the pass volume potentially in Tennessee. You know, if they're going to be the quote-unquote exotic smash-mouth offense, which I'm so tired of people saying. But um, I still see them being him being their number one threat when it comes to the red zone and probably their go-to guy. We need to have a poll, a listener poll of who our listeners want to tear their ACL next and be out for the year, so you don't have to, so you don't get to talk about them anymore. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cameron Meredith would have been number one on the list. Now he's out for the year. I think Eric Decker has to go down next. I mean, it's painful Listening to you talk about Eric Decker every Why? single every single show, I don't understand. He's a nice player. It's just, yeah, I mean, that's the Eric, point of this segment. Is who's a nice player that you can get for cheap late? Oh no, you you talk about him every single show. You like him, we get it. You better end up with Eric Decker on in our draft next next weekend. I hope I do too. Okay. Yeah, you gotta put your put your money where your mouth is. I mean, he's, he's a good name. He's going in the seventh round. I mean, this is a guy who is not going unnoticed. I mean, everybody knows about him. I might he nominate is... Cameron Meredith just to have a moment of silence for him during the draft. I might do that. No response. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just. Uh, all right. Did you have any other players left? No, I think Marvin Jones. Um, Marvin Jones is my favorite. Kenny Britt. You know me. I love these. Love these receivers. 
that I can get in the late rounds that are going to put up points. I, I, I do like Zay Jones in Buffalo, too. That's the last player I'm going to throw out. I just, you know, he's a rookie. I'm a little bit skeptical, but he, he's going in the middle of the 11th round. And Buffalo, you know, need I say, is going to have to throw the ball to somebody, right? Um, they're going to probably run LaShawn McCoy straight into the ground. Um, and they have nobody else. They have they don't have Anquan Bold anymore. There's no Sammy Watkins. It's Jordan Matthews and Zay Jones. Let me throw so out another one I, that's not a wide receiver because the only the only position you ever talk about is wide receivers. So you're, you're so you're so helpful, you know, for the rest of the people that actually I need love to wide draft receivers. the rest of the team. For another running back, again, another extremely unsexy pick. But if you want to have confidence in someone that should be getting touches week one, that's Terrence West. No one's going to feel real happy about drafting him or having him on their team. But if you are find yourself in a situation where you need running back depth, you might even need an RB2. I don't know. You know, Terrence West is out there um, to start off the year. He's going to be getting touches. And Rob Kelly and Rob Kelly, same, same round too. while we're on it. I mean, didn't mean to, yeah. to cut you off, but you didn't kind of cut me off with Zay Jones. I mean, I spent like 10 seconds talking about Zay Jones and you shifted gears to Terrence West. We're really going to talk about I Buffalo mean, players. Uh, are we going to talk about Baltimore running backs? I mean, none of these players are sexy. Uh, Rob Kelly, I, I think, I mean, again, same round as Terrence West. I actually like him a little bit more than Terrence West. Um, so it, it just shows that, you know, we talked about it several times that the top two rounds, obviously there's some stud running backs and then there's a little bit of a lull, you know, there's a little bit of a lull third, fourth, fifth round. There are some solid running backs that you can grab late. Rob Kelly, Terrence West, even someone like a Jonathan Stewart, um, you know, who they're going to get carries. So at this point in the draft, you're looking for running back ones or quote unquote running back ones who are at least going to get the football and Rob Kelly, Terrence West fit that bill. Um, so if you're, if you're in the late rounds of the draft, those are two pretty good options. All right, Seth, last part of the episode, we're going to talk about players we're high on and players we're low on and uh, players that we're confident and worried about in each section here. So let's get rolling. Let's let's get rolling. Let's uh, start off with the players we're high on, and give me the player that you're high on, and you're you feel confident about it. Like, okay, I'm a, I'm high on this person, and I I feel like I'm I'm gonna nail this one this year. Like, I'm gonna Doug, be accurate. Dougie Fresh, Doug Baldwin, baby. Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin. Got into you know went at Phil Yates a little bit. Kind of went in on him um, about his you know having Doug Baldwin ranked pretty low. And, you know, I don't regret just for, it. Just for clarification, um, he, for example, should I say, he had him as a 14th wide receiver. We have Doug Baldwin as a 14th overall person. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, th- th- what more is there to say about Doug Baldwin? He's, he's increased his, his receptions and receiving yards each out of the last five seasons. Seattle throws the ball more every single year. Russell Wilson throws the ball more every single year. Doug Baldwin is the only show in town. There's no one else that's going to be catching passes besides maybe Jimmy Graham. CJ Procise to a lesser extent. So there's no safer receiver than Doug Baldwin. He had 14 touchdowns two years ago. Last season, seven touchdowns. Uh, he does everything. He is a, he's a guy that could catch 100 passes. He's a guy that could catch 10 touchdowns. And he plays for, for what's going to probably be a top six or seven passing offense in the NFL. And he's going towards the end of the second round behind players that are much less proven or have proven much less over the past few years, like Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper, um, you know, some and even some of the players that are are injured a lot, like a Des Bryant who's going ahead of him. So, I, I like Doug Baldwin a lot. 
he is going to be on a lot. He already is on a lot of my teams, but you know the drafts are still going, and I'm still going to be getting more shares in my boy Doug. Yep, I completely agree. And uh, before we started this episode, Seth, we're talking about some players that that could be you know drafted in the second, third round, or even later, but that might make that big, big jump into a top five to seven pick. And you know, the more we thought about some of the players that were drafted last year, like you don't have to go very far in the draft to have like gigantic return on investment. Look at where people were getting Mike Evans last year. And now he's a top five, six pick and same with Devonte Freeman. He was like the back back end of the second round, maybe even early third. Cause a lot of people were unsure about his, you know, quote unquote timeshare. And now he's like a lock 10 to 12 pick. And it's the same exact thing with Doug Baldwin. He's sitting there around pick 19, 20, something like that. I think he could easily be someone that, provides tremendous return on investment that also has a great floor and be a top seven to eight pick next year. My, my player for I'm high on and have really good confidence about is Willie Sneed. I want to get more shares of him. He seems to be, uh, we haven't done a ton of drafts, but we got a triple header this weekend. So I'm going to try and get as many shares of Willie Sneed as I can. I still feel Mm -hmm. like he's not being, overly overly drafted which i like and with over 70 catches last year i mean i feel like everything else can kind of fall in place if he was already catching 70 passes last year the yards per catch were were not great at 12.4 and only four touchdowns you know that might still be low this year i don't think he might is ever going to be really that touchdown person but with drew Brees, that vacancy of brandon cooks i think someone that a lot of people are forgetting about is Ted Ginn as well. And I don't know, we haven't really talked about him a lot. Not on a week. For good reason. Yes. For good reason. But I think we might be pleasantly surprised at The more I think about how efficient Drew Brees is in some of the games that Ted Ginn had. I mean, remember some of the games that Ted Ginn had with Cam Newton? (sighs) There's going to be a lot of weeks where I think Ted Ginn is going to be very relevant. So I don't want to get, you know, overhyped in terms of thinking all that production is going to go to Willie Sneed. But I'm I'm really high on Willie Sneed. I think he's going to step into a, um, an, another increased year production, very similar to like where Doug Baldwin was a little bit early in his career. Trying to find a needle in a haystack. <laughs> okay, now a player that uh, you're high on, but does present a couple couple red flags that you know you're hoping doesn't you know prove you wrong, but you're a little bit worried about. This this one was this one was a little little tougher for me. I mean, I'm really really high on Keenan Allen, um, really high on Keenan Allen. Um, but I, the player that I'm going to go with is Demarco Murray. I mean, because this is a guy who you're going to have to pay a premium to get. You're not getting a discount um, going for Doug, Demarco Murray, even though there's the Derrick Henry presence. Um, I'm very high on Demarco Murray. I think he's going to be a workhorse. And barring an injury or something crazy happening, I think he's going to be a top five running back yet again. I think he's that solid. Tennessee's going to run the ball a ton. I think that they can sustain both both running backs. I think both can have value, Mark, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. But, you know, I, I do think because of the amount of work he got last year, I do think that, you know, injuries are going to be or could potentially be an issue with uh, DeMarco Murray. And then there is Derrick Henry, so... Even though I'm really high on DeMarco Murray, I fully acknowledge the fact that there is a little bit of risk there. Yeah, I like that one. Um, there's, you know, you, you have the injury. He slowed down at the end of last year. Obviously, Derrick Henry. I do agree, though, that 
as long as he's healthy, it's not like Tennessee's just going to take him off the field for Derrick Henry. But, of course, there are some slight concerns. Uh, mine is I got kind of a twofold person. Uh, they're kind of going back-to-back right now in terms of ADPs, getting very close to each other. Uh, very similar type players, and that's Bly Powell and Danny Woodhead. Um, starting first off with Danny Woodhead, you know, injured two out of the last four years. And, of course, everyone's like, well, did you see what he did when he was healthy those two years? I, I get it. This is why I'm high on him. Uh, but he's over 30. He's not practicing as of today. He's got a you know a soft tissue issue. This tends to happen to people when they get over the age of 30. It's it's harder for them to play week in and week out. Um, Joe Flacco hasn't played in practice in a while. He's supposed to. They said they guarantee he he starts week one. Who doesn't say that he gets hit because he's Joe Flacco? He gets sacked a lot, and then he gets injured. He goes down, and then next thing you know, you got to rely on Ryan Mallett to throw Danny Woodhead the ball. So there's just a lot of flags there with age, where you have to pay for a price, and knowing that his pure production comes from PPR. Um, and then Bly Powell, this is the Jets running back we're talking about. I mean, I get it. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot to him. They lost Quincy and Nunwa. Um, is he is the production going to go all through with him? You know, How much is Matt Forte still going to be um, a, a back in the backfield? I know, Seth, that you were mentioning what his line was just the other this past weekend in week three, Bly Powell. But it's not like they're using their veteran backs in season week three. So as soon as you know Matt Forte is healthy and playing in, a, in an NFL regular season, how much less feature do we get of Bly Powell? A lot of his production came last year because Matt Forte was out. So I think, and again, his main production comes through the air on a team that can't score touchdowns. So I, I like those types of players a lot. But we're talking about two players that have concerns around them, one in terms with age and quarterback injury issues, and then the other one has other quarterback issues and potential other running backs with Matt Forte. So some slight concerns there, I guess. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think Derek, I think Danny Woodhead is much more risky than Blau Powell because Danny Woodhead is going to get less carries than Blau Powell. Blau Powell is still going to carry the rock I think it's going to be probably a 60-40 timeshare between Forte and Powell, but Powell will still get the rock more than Woodhead will get in terms of you know the running game. And then Powell is Powell. Powell is is going to be a better playmaker than Danny Woodhead. I think he's a little bit more explosive than Danny Woodhead. So like you said, Danny Woodhead over the age of 30, he's not going to carry the ball much at all. So I just don't like relying on a guy. It just like we don't like running backs that don't catch the ball, right? In PPR leagues. Like that's we don't like running backs that don't right. catch the ball. Yep. Who would? I don't like running backs that don't carry the ball. I mean, why would I? So that's why I'm a little bit lower on Danny Woodhead than most people, including our boy Field Yates, who had him as the ninth ranked running back. So I don't know. I do like Blau Powell though. And for your information, Matt Forte did get ten carries in the last preseason game. So they they were using the the veteran back. Okay. And and just to to go off of your point, I guess in terms of yeah, we don't like running backs that don't catch the ball because we're in a PPR league. That means all their production has to come from only the ground and then vice versa with Danny Woodhead. Cause another perfect example of that is James white where all his production comes through the air, but you know, you're paying a premium for Danny Woodhead. Again, I still like them because he, James white's not going to catch 80 passes and Danny Woodhead could catch 80 to hundred if he stays healthy all 16 games. But uh, there's obviously, obviously some concerns there. Moving right along, Seth, we now go to players we are a low on. And let's start off with your low, 
but you're you're worried about. You have some slight concern that maybe maybe you could be wrong on this one. So I got two players, um, and I'm gonna stick with receivers, you know, because because why stop now? Um, the two receivers that I, that I'm lower on than most people that I am. I, I, I do acknowledge the fact that they could have really good seasons and they could come back to me to bite me and make me look stupid. Amari Cooper and Brandon Cooks, and I bring up these players number one because I, I'm I'm lower on them than most everyone else, and number two, they're going back to back. You know, ADP for Amari Cooper is two point oh seven, Brandon Cooks two point oh eight. Brandon Cooks obviously ton of upside in New England. Um, Amari Cooper is has been a guy that's you know been a, a PPR machine. His first two years in the NFL, um, with over 80 catches, over a thousand yards, the touchdowns haven't been there. So if he can just increase his touchdowns, Amari Cooper could be an absolute monster in an offense that you know is still young with with Derek Carr at the helm. So I think Amari Cooper, and you know, I think a lot of people are waiting for him to take that that jump from you know being a really good fantasy receiver to being a monster, and he's young. Um, entering his is what his fourth year in the NFL, so this could be the year for Amari Cooper. I just think, I mean, I I think he's a really good receiver. I don't see him making the jump this year. I think he is what he is. Um, he could get marginally better, um, but he's a player that if he if he you know he had ninety catches, thirteen hundred receiving yards, and nine touchdowns, you know, I'd say okay, that's you know that's understandable. I'm not completely shocked. And same thing with Cooks. Whenever there's a, a player of his magnitude. Going to New England to play with Tom Brady, who has the potential to throw over 40 touchdowns, you know, you you have to, you know, at least, you know, I'm not naive. I think there's a chance that Brandon Cooks could have a monster season. I'm just not willing to pay up for him. Yeah, I think the Brandon Cooks is a good one because I'm definitely not going to own any shares. And with that type of offense, especially with Edelman out now, could definitely be proven wrong. Uh, Amari Cooper, I've always been a little bit higher on you than uh, on him. Than you, even though I've been, you know, not not the the biggest supporter of Mari Cooper. I think I still realize the fact that he's only been in the league for two years. He's like twenty three years old. He's got the same yards per catch as Amari, um, as Odell Beckham Jr. I think a lot of it just had to do with they just have a really good number two. And as Michael Crabtree gets a little bit older at age twenty nine, it's not like Amari Cooper has really been underperforming his his draft stock. He was late second round pick last year. He, he kind of performed to that level, and his draft stock hasn't really changed. Uh, so not a, you know, just he provided like equal return on investment. He wasn't, I don't think a, um, it wasn't a bust or anything like that. But obviously, people are hoping that he makes that next jump. So, you know, I think people maybe overreacted to him not having a better season. Uh, I'm okay with it though. He's increased receptions and yards each year. Obviously, the touchdowns need to get there, but with his size and his body and some of the catches I've seen him make, maybe the more that they start unleashing Derek Carr, as we've seen with a lot of these young quarterbacks, look at Russell Wilson and that combination with Doug Baldwin. It takes a couple years to get going. It's moving in the right direction, so I'm on board. I'm not saying it's going to happen fully this year, but as long as he keeps improving on these key metrics, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. Um, and so, so yeah. yeah. And part of the, re- the part of the reason that I'm that I'm more off Amari Cooper too is is not that I don't think he's a good receiver. It's just there's players right around there that, I, like I think Doug Baldwin is better than Amari Cooper. I, I don't even think it's that close. I think Doug Baldwin is significantly better than Amari Cooper. He's somebody that I think is going to get more catches and is also has a, has a higher touchdown upside than Amari Cooper and is in equally good. You know, might even be a better passing offense 
because Oakland's a much better running team. So that that's why. And then there's somebody on his own team, Michael Crabtree, who I always talk about, who you know I think is just as good of a fantasy receiver and has a, a better rapport with with Derek Carr up to this point. So, but 23, I mean, the, this you know he does have potential, and that's why he continues to be drafted two rounds at least ahead of Michael Crabtree because of that upside and because of the fact that he's only been in the NFL two years. Right, and of course he's has the luxury of being on a better team, but that doesn't mean that always helps out fantasy-wise. So they do run the ball better, as you mentioned, and they have better weapons around them than some of these other teams that have to force-feed their number one targets. Let's take Doug Baldwin. Let me, I'm just going to put you in a scenario here just to kind of mm-hmm. get a better idea. Let's take, like scenarios. Let's take Doug Baldwin off the board because he is traditionally almost cons- – um, going off the board after Mari Cooper. Let's say Doug Baldwin is already off the board. Who do you take in front of Amari Cooper? Usually the people there are like a Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks. Let's start with those two. Are you taking any of them? I'm, I'm taking Amari Cooper over Brandon Cooks because I, as much as I rag on Amari Cooper, if I had to choose between the two, Amari Cooper has a higher floor. And I know pretty much what I can expect from a Cooper and he has does have the built in upside um, as well. So I, I would definitely go um, Amari Cooper over Brandon Cooks. And you're taking and Dez over Cooper? I am taking Dez over Cooper, I think. I, I just yeah. And that's you know, might be more of a, you know, using my heart over my head type of pick because I, I think Amari Cooper as is as smart of and sure of a pick as you can make because he is as rock solid as can be. Des Bryant has the potential to get 10 to 15 touchdowns, though, um, you know, well over a thousand receiving yards in an offense that, you know, that's Dak Prescott's going to have to throw more. So I, I do like Des. Um, he's such a unique talent at the receiver position. Um, Todd Gurley is a really interesting one for me. I mean, I think Fabiano made a really good point that he was a beast in college. He was a beast his rookie year for the most part. And, and that didn't disappear overnight. There's no Jeff Fisher, which is addition by subtraction. Todd Gurley is one of you know, probably a handful of running backs in fantasy that are the clear-cut number one that aren't going to be relinquishing carries, whether it be in the goal line, um, on third down. Like He is going to be the guy. Um, so I think to- I would probably lean towards taking Todd Gurley over Cooper. Um, but, it, I mean, it's it's that one's really close. And what about any of these people? And some of these ADPs are kind of crazy right now looking at him but christian mccaffrey dalvin cook ty hilton no. terrell Pryor. are you taking any of them over him nope nope no nope. so i think you're a little lower on him but not, nothing crazy nothing crazy uh l- let me get to my lower player seth we have not talked a lot about him at all as you would imagine from a player that we you know that i'm low on lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that is Carl's Hyde. Um, low on, but you know I could see proving me wrong. Because he's in that offense with Kyle Shanahan. If he actually stays healthy, eh, you know, can he get a lot of production? Maybe. You know, can can Brian Hoyer make use of that offense and put some fantasy relevant pieces out there? He's done it in the past. 
So, I, again, I'm low on him. This is maybe one of those maybe smaller percentage chance I see happening. But, I mean, he is the number one running back, and he is kind of going in a very reasonable spot in the middle of the fourth round. So, I mean, I, I could be wrong. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, we could be wrong on a lot of players. I'm not too worried about Carlos Hyde just because some of the players that are going behind him, like Kareem Hunt, I'd rather have than Carlos Hyde. Um, well, we you know, know that, that ADP is not accurate as of today. Mm, I don't think it's too far off. But Allen Robinson, another player I would rather have. I mean, he's going a full round later than Hyde. I'd rather have uh, – I, mean, I mean, we could play this game probably all day. There's probably all, always one or two players that we'd rather have. Um, but like Martavis Bryant, well, that's why I can we're make low a case on. Him. For. I mean, that's that's the point. Yeah, uh, that's why. Yeah, we're I can low make a him. case for Martavis Bryant over him. You know, uh, Greg Olson is a player that I might take over him. Jordan Reed, there's Jarvis Landry, there's so wow, many players. Allen Robinson has fallen to the fifth round, huh? Yeah, he he's becoming one of the biggest steals. I was in a draft. I did a draft the other night. He went in the seventh round. Holy so crap. So, yeah, I think people are getting scared off by the quarterback situation in, in Jacksonville. Um, but, again, I, I think Allen Robinson, I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last year. I think he'll be in between, you know, his 2015 and 2016 self. But, yeah, Doug, Allen Robinson, fifth round, good there deal. crazy loose movement on this ADP. I mean, you've got Christian McCaffrey all the way up at 2.10, Delvin Cook at 2.12. we got these people that didn't even love them. And what? when did we not love them? Like early fourth, and now he's in the late second. Um, and then, of course, some of the people that we don't like is falling because naturally someone's got to fall. So Fournette falls to early third, early mid-third. I'm going to start liking Fournette I- at that point. I don't. I just. I just don't. I'm just not buying. I, you know what? I Maybe mean, I could use that. See, I, I would use that for my player that I'm. I'm down on, and I'm worried about him coming back to bite me. I'm just not worried about him coming back to bite me because I don't think Jacksonville. I don't think anybody can run in Jacksonville, no matter how much they want to run it. The opposing team, you know, the opposing defense knows they want to run it. Um, I just. I don't think the Jacksonville offense is going to be able to do anything this year. And Leonard Fournette, you know. God bless his heart, but I don't. I don't think he, I. I don't. I think it's gonna be a rough rookie rookie season for the guy. Three three running backs that we were kind of low on that were going in late second and maybe early third, but mostly in late second. Marshawn Lynch, Isaiah Crowell, and Leonard Fournette all falling, just all falling like rock, which makes it really tough for us. I think it's like, well, we didn't like them early. You know, do we really give in and say, well, this is value now? I guess um, we'll probably still stay away, but. Um, I'd rather see those players obviously stay up in the ADP. Correct. I, I totally agree. Okay. La- <laughs> Them dropping doesn't help us at all. Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay. Last last part here. We have players we're low on uh, that we're confident about. I'll kick us off. Uh, someone that we did in our uh, same player, different round. Someone that I was high on last year, Seth. So this is – it kind of feels weird for me. I don't know. It kind of feels like – um. You know, I'm betraying Jamison Crowder here, but I don't know how else to describe it with where he's going, the size of receiver he is, how he's used, his extremely efficient touchdown rate last year. I just I just can't buy into it, and I just don't know how he gets there. I remember reading a stat that said there was only like one receiver in the NFL history that was 5'8 and had 1,000 receiving yards. I know he's pretty close last year. I think he's going to be the only weapon. Uh, it could be possibly the main weapon there, but... They're going to need a lot more around him in order for that whole offense to click. And so if that whole offense does click, I think he's going to be what he is. And I think where he's going is just a little bit too high. I think his uh, repeat on touchdowns is asking a lot. 
I don't know. I mean, like any of these players, I could be wrong, but I feel pretty decent about it. Just in terms of being a 5'8 player under 200 kind of slot receiver, I don't know. He's, he's going to be drafted after the eighth round next season. I mean, he he's he is going to have less fantasy points than Cole Beasley, who we, we mentioned in our same player different round. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on Jameson Crowder, 100%. Um, and my player is Sammy Watkins. I mean, we're getting close to drafts. I need to get one last shot in on Sammy Watkins. Going to kick kick a brother when he's down. Um, you know, he, he's, his stock has fallen too in the sixth round. And let me tell you, I still don't like it. I still don't like it. Sammy Watkins being drafted 6.07. There are still several players that I like more than him. Like Brandon Marshall, I like more than him. You know, even, you know, there's Russell Wilson, right? If you're in, especially if you're in two quarterback league, but for one quarterback leagues, you know, I like the idea of grabbing Russell Wilson. Darren McFadden for six games is going to be probably more valuable than Sammy Watkins will be for 16. Um, Tyler Eifert, you know, talk about touchdown upside at the tight end position. Um, these are all players that are going after him. You know, Pierre Garcon, I like a lot more than Sammy Watkins and he's going a full round later. So moral of the story is no matter how far Sammy Watkins falls, it will not be far enough. Wow. Rough. I mean, this is the thing. This is the funny thing I find about Sammy Watkins. He goes to a potentially better offense. I'm I'm not lying. Like, what is so attractive to Buffalo to say all Nothing. of a sudden, all of a sudden, just because he goes to the Rams? I mean, they might have a better offensive coach in Sean McVay, and their quarterback might actually play a full 16 games where Tyrod Taylor has trouble doing. They're most certainly going to probably throw the ball more than Buffalo. That's that's led the league in like or you know last in the league in rush um, passing attempts. So w- why is it that he goes from the Bills to the Rams and all of a sudden he goes from the late three point eleven to six point oh seven? I just where are you, Sammy Watkins supporters? Like it's all about the talent, right? So what's it matter? He goes from one team that's run oriented no. struggles biggest, biggest quarterback fraud. biggest biggest frauds ever the Sammy Watkins supporters the Sammy Watkins supporters just completely jumped off like the train I know. And- at least we never at least we never liked him to begin with but with those people you know we got to get them on the show we got to get them on i mean i, I want to we should do an episode where we just talk to Sammy we just debate Sammy Watkins fans i mean cuz where where are they he's his his adp is dropping what like three rounds like you said going to a team with a better offensive coach um I, I would say a quarterback with more upside, right? Jared Goff. I mean, who knows? Jeff Fisher brings the worst out in people. So Jared Goff has more upside. Um, he's still going to be the number one receiver. You know, I, I don't know. And they they have a running good running game too. So if you are on Sammy Watkins, you should be loving this. Like you're going down with the ship. If you like Sammy Watkins, you're going down to the sh- down with the ship. You have no choice. You have to own it. Um, I'll you tell know, you what, so, though, he's he's getting close to own territory for me because the people going right in front of him, Willie Sneed, uh, Mike Gilsey, I definitely take both of them over Sammy Watkins and then Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker, Seth, and this is, again, I hate this. It's like it, it, all our players move up and Sammy Watkins moves down. Devontae Parker was in the eighth round a few weeks ago. Now he's 5.12. We could thank Jay Cutler for that, calling him a faster version of Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, that put a rocket underneath his ADP. Is it, <laughs> is that still too high or not? Five five 5.12. Do you still feel confident taking Devontae Parker there, knowing his upside? I mean, that that like suggests that I was comfortable taking him at his prior ADP. I, I mean, well, we were. We we talked. Well, we I, I assumed that we were. Yeah. 
I, 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 I'm not too comfortable. I, I, I admit he has upside. He is, he is one of the more intriguing receivers this year. I just, I'm not going to probably end up with him because I don't know that there's, there's going to be other players that I like more than him. And that seems like a cop out, but you know, Pierre Garcon being a great example, I'm going to go grab Pierre Garcon before I'm going to go really and roll the dice. I don't but, think, yeah. I, I don't I think, think so. I can get to that level. I don't think I'm there. That's, that's, that's too much. It also depends, though, too, about, you know, if I don't have any running backs, I might go for a running back in that round. You know, that might, might be a situation where, okay, I'm drafting a little bit more on need if all things are equal. You know, I might be going to get a running back. Um, but I, I, I do like Devontae Parker. I just I just feel, I don't know, fifth round seems a little bit high for him. Yeah, You know, he's probably going to have similar stats as Eric Decker that you can get two rounds later. I had to squeeze that one in. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna end up with both of them on your team. Devontae Parker, Eric Decker. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. That is our episode getting close to week one of the NFL season. Best of luck in your fancy football drafts. We will be back later this week. We're gonna be talking with the DK Legends and talking daily fantasy football. So do not miss that episode. We're out. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell.